Welcome to Permission to be Human, the podcast. I'm your host, Mel Finlater, mother, coach, and curator of Permission to be Human, the company and community. If you're a mom, know a mom, or want to be a mom, and you crave getting out in the world to make a difference, then you're in the right place. This is a space for moms like you to connect with yourself, your purpose, and your big audacious dreams. Because when you feel your best, you can better you, your family, and the wider world. Let's do this. Today's episode is one that I hold very close to my heart. It's with a really good friend of mine called Lou Shackleton, and I am so excited to share her with you and the world because she is incredible. Lou helps people to unblock stuck energy and find freedom in their day-to-day life at Design for Life. She dreams of a world where we all have the tools and skills we need to make change happen for ourselves and others. Her life's mission is to make personal transformation more accessible and fun. She not only is doing amazing work now with individuals looking for personal growth, she does a form of coaching through these incredibly creative tools that I know have definitely helped me along the way. She's, I feel like I was kind of her guinea pig back in the day. And she's so good at listening and helping people feel heard. And Lou and I have been on quite the journey together and we share a little bit about that today. She was right there at the beginning of my entrepreneurial, I want to change the world journey. So you'll hear what that was like and what are the core values that we were really digging into there. And Lou and I have done some pretty incredible things, built communities, supported people through transitions, created a a misfit local event, like so many different things. And we have always had this ability to play. And Lou really brings that out. You'll hear about how Lou became Danger Lou, and we ended up being in a field, me dressed up like a robot, the robot of mediocrity, and her as Super Lou with some friends and so much more. So I encourage you to listen in to find a little bit out about our history, but also about Lou, who is this just, I can't really even describe who she is because it's so amazing there's no word to attach to her sense of being. We go into some tools at the end of the episode, which I think will help you all as well. She's very good at bringing in quotes and books and all the knowledge that she has collected over the years and the people that she's collected over the years. So have a listen and get in touch with her if you're so inclined. Okay. Hi, Lou. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have Lou here because I've known Lou for, I don't, I don't even know a number right now. I just want to say donkey's years, <laughs> maybe 20. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that though. Quite a long time we've known, we've known each other and not as close to the last few years because we're like on opposite sides of the world, but Lou is full of great information. So I'm excited to have you here. It's great to be here. Yeah. It's very exciting. I get I love that we get to have our first catch up in ages. 
uh, on a podcast. <laughs> Recorded. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Exactly. But I mean, our work and life always kind of intermingled, didn't they? So mm. it makes sense for us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really um, nice to be here. Yeah. Great to have you. So tell us, tell for those who haven't known you for donkey's years, tell us a little bit about who is Lou. Well, I'm now a mum, which I wasn't last time we met face to face. I'm mum to a toddler who is almost three called Alex. I live in the UK on the Northeast coast, which is a relatively recent development, just uh, about 18 months ago. That's been a long-held uh, dream to live by the sea. And um, in terms of what I do, I guess I help people make change happen for themselves. And I've done that in lots of different ways, I think, over the course of my career. But I started out in with a degree in psychology. So that's my background in psychology and um I've also had always had a love of art and design and what I do now kind of sits in between those two things yeah I think uh that's a great description in terms of what you do because I've always envisioned this you just make everything beautiful <laughs> just have <laughs> this you. way of like making things look so pretty <laughs> <laughs> but also make sense it's like simplifying beauty somehow um so that's great yeah but yeah, um, I was actually yeah, I like someone... take, taking a quick look at your website beforehand. And I goes, oh, yeah, that's that's Lou's design. Like it's a very specific um, font and just style to things. Yeah, I was listening to um, I had some actually before I tell that story, I had someone um, who used to call me the sense maker in chief at somewhere I used to work. And um, I know you talked to Nick Heap. That's the story that I was going to say um, on a recent episode and talked about his approach the core process and when I worked with Nick on mine it was um growing our lives was my core process and it's kind of shifted and evolved over over time and now I tend to say I'm a sense maker I help people make choices by making the options clearer by helping make things make sense so I think yeah that really resonates with me too in my language it's about making sense yeah and that makes sense completely <laughs> who you are you know everything I know about you um so tell us a little bit about your journey to getting there like to where you are is if you're well firstly no I'm going to start that question again because my first question is what is the big audacious dream and then I want to go journey wise so what is the big the big the big dream the the big dream is a work in progress I think um, I think it's really shifted my idea of what that is. Perhaps that's through getting older or perhaps it's being a mother. I'm not sure which one. But it's definitely something that, um, yeah, I see it more as a work in progress. Whereas before, like maybe like 10 years ago, when we were working on other things together, I thought of it more like a thing that you would just know exactly what it is and all the details, and then you would execute it. So at the moment, <laughs> my big goal is around helping people uh, live a life well lived. 
And there's a it comes from a quote in a book called Radical Help by Hillary, Hillary Cotton. And she has a very specific definition of a life well lived, which is around work. It's about finding and creating good work. And by good work, she means work that offers a decent income and time for the other things in life. But for me, it's that's just one piece of the puzzle. A life well lived is um, finding and creating that work so that there's time for the other things in life. But it's also figuring out what those other things in life might be. Friendships, somewhere to belong, whether that's a community, a family or both some kind of concept of being healthy, whatever that means for each person, having interests that are a place where you can express yourself and a place where you can have fun and grow. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about this a lot, a purpose, a sense of some kind of calling, which which I don't use in a religious sense, that means you feel connected to something bigger than yourself. That's kind of at the heart of everything I do, I think. And my sort of uh, mission is perhaps my more because there's a quite a strong um part of me that is interested in social justice um my kind of big dream around that is to democratize personal transformation so everyone is capable of leading a life well lived and figuring out what that is and it is only fair that everyone should have equal access to that Mm. I love that. I hear so much sense of like this sense of belonging, this sense of self that everybody should have the right to have and be. Mm. And yeah, that fits in really well. For those listening, the work Lou and I used to do together involved a lot of work around inclusivity and involving people based on their interests and as opposed to their disability or ability or background. Um, and that I can, I can feel it coming through the screen right now, your like sense of that social justice. Like that's, I love that you're leaning into that now and, and are naming that because uh, it's definitely, definitely you and, and much needed. Yeah. And I think that the moment when we met was a really big pivot point for me. Like I'd been, I've become this person who knows about change <laughs> and how it works by virtue of experience, really, and having gone through some very significant changes in my life that have come from the outside, but also changes that I tried to instigate. And I use the word try to because, you know, when we're trying to make change happen, it doesn't always go the way that we planned. But, you know, my husband and I were not married at the time, but we moved to Cambridge, which is where I met you in the UK and you hired me for my first job and all of that work is really you know woven deeply through the fabric of everything that I'm doing now and um, you know even down to the tools that I use now and I kind of you know I was making some notes today about some of the things that we might co might cover and it, I, re I really just went back to thinking about that program that we worked on for people where it was helping them to design their life for people that had had, you know, they perhaps hadn't been in a residential home like people in the olden days used to be kind of completely separated from society, but they still had been quite segregated and been on a stream of, you know, going to a special school and perhaps going away to a special college. 
and then only being involved in activities with other people who had some kind of learning disability or were set apart in whatever way. And so people who didn't necessarily had a, have a sense of what they liked and didn't like. And I remember our mutual friend Ruth always talking about that, you know, how if, if someone has had very limited choices in their life, if you ask them what they want to do, how can they answer that question? Mm-hmm. So the first year of that program was always just about trying things, even if they weren't things that you thought you wanted to try. Um, so, yeah, that was like really a pivotal moment for me. It was my first like proper job um, and it opened up a whole new world for me in terms of what it is possible to help other people with and what is not possible to help other people with and what you can just kind of give them the tools and create the environment and they will help themselves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that, especially in that context, right? So we were working with people who uh, the language there would be learning disability. We often said learning difference, but yeah, you're right. There are people who have, have had lives that have been limited in a variety of ways and giving them that, that choice is, it opened my, that opened my world a hundred percent in a similar way. I don't think you started too long after I did actually. So we were definitely on that journey together, uh, supporting people to really find their place in themselves, like find their belonging inwards first. Right. And then we're working on the outward stuff as well. And it's, it's such a beautiful journey and it's so relevant to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes, if, if you only, if someone's only used to being said, do you want an apple or an orange? How do they know these other choices? Right. And I kind of think of, I I think of that course. So we had a confidence course then, which was a lot of that, like, let's go experience these things. Yeah. And it's actually like top of mind right now for me to, to do. uh, We used to all talk about it. Just do with the average person. Like we all need it. And now I'm like, mums, mums need confidence. We've stepped into this new identity and we're still figuring out how that plays out with our existing and old identity and who are we now and um, being able to try those new things out to see what we think of them because you know what I don't like some of the stuff I used to like I don't it doesn't sit the same with me anymore right so yeah it's uh that was that was that was great times at the we worked at a charity at the time together and, yeah, uh, and I think, you know, working alongside Ruth, who is just like the absolute wizard of, of, yep. of what she does and, and watching her create space around people and people who were, you know, the pickiest eaters at the start of the program at the end were hosting, you know, their sort of parents and carers and friends and serving sushi as part of that um, experience. Yeah. That's incredible to be able to create that container around people that they can feel safe in order to make those discoveries and then find certainty in the new choices that they're making yeah definitely and looking back now with the the different experiences and knowledge and and learning and growth that I've had since there and I'm sure you have as well Lou you know I can look back and I can see it through a different lens and be like well of course like we gave them that sense of belonging and safety where like 
they probably didn't have that in a lot of contexts before. And that's where growth comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then we, um, and I would, I would, I would move on to the belonging that I always felt with our little group of change the world people, <laughs> whatever we called ourselves, our changeable crew, I think it was. Um, we were a gang, I think. A gang? <laughs> a gang. Yeah. Change the world gang. Yeah. Right? It's giving ourselves the permission to explore what that meant. What difference did we want to make in the world to feel like we belong to something bigger than ourselves and um, to experiment, which is really what we did for a very long time. And yeah, exactly. But it. I think that kind of having just talked through the experience working together and doing that kind of work that we were doing, mm -hmm. um, that idea of creating a, a, a place of safety as being the first step a place to belong I think is equally valid in the other example you know we've kind of recreated that gang in response to outside events where you know the project that we loved and the work that we loved to do came under threat and we were all at risk of a redundancy and what did we do in the face of that where now when we turned up to work it was not the fun open growth focused like not organizational growth but individual growth focused organization that we knew and loved every, every going to every day yeah the sort of morale had plummeted overnight so we created this other space and I don't think we really knew that much about what we were doing at the time it was very <laughs> intuitive it was just yeah. like quite spontaneous it's just what we did um yeah just created a space where we did feel safe yeah. and then from that place of safety we could be ourselves and be creative and experiment and explore. Yeah. And it makes me think like, so the people listening in now, the question I have for you is where's your place of safety and belonging and who are those people? And can, can you gather some to create that space for yourself? Cause that's something we needed to do for ourselves, really. Um, we were lucky enough to have found each other in a safe container already but then when, like you said, when it was under threat, we we kind of went, okay, what are we going to do with this? We, we need to move this container. And make it, <laughs> move make it, it over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We must protect this container at all costs by taking it out <laughs> well, of this organization. <laughs> and pretty much like, well, not quite across the street, but not far from it to, to mm -hmm. the, the cafe slash pub down the street with wine and ginger beer. Exactly. I forgot the ginger beer. Oh, yeah, yeah we drink a lot of ginger beer. beer. Now I'm like, oh my God, there's so much sugar. It doesn't help. It doesn't uh, sit in my stomach very well. But back then I did love my ginger beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the difference that 10 years can make. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> I can't drink ginger beer anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. So you have this dream of, enabling individuals no matter who they are to have this personal growth and I would say listening to that and listening to myself describe that it's at the individual level so that it's at the societal level there's there's like it seems like there's both kind of going on there for you Does yeah I think sense? that we learned when we learned to change the world going 
you know we had audacious goals right we our goal was to change the world and I think we all realized that the best place to start with that was with ourselves yeah and I think I've carried that with me since then yeah that you know if you focus on yourself and make changes in your own life that are the changes that you want to make for yourself it's actually kind of infectious and the people around you want to join in and have a taste of the magic too um you asked before about you know kind of how to find other people I think was kind of hinted at within your question and I think what we did with change the world gang is relatively simple just bringing a small group of people together and creating a space where you can talk about you know if you had a blank piece of paper that you could start with what would that what would you put on it that's it it can can be that that simple yeah and And it can be fun like and and it could be my favorite ones were the were the potluck ones where we just all brought food and we shared food and then we chatted um it was great yeah food and drink was often I feel like it's an integral component to (laughs) to these conversations um yeah in terms of like sorry go ahead (laughs) (laughs) well I because you asked as well like what's my place of safety now yeah and I think it is I think I've learned enough about myself and the world that it is actually myself now, but it's taken a long time to get here. And I do have like a support team of people that I go to that have helped me to get here. Yeah. Um, but I think now the place of safety is is myself. And that's like an incredible realization to get to that I wish that everyone could have that 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 is the safest place you can be is who you are right now in this moment yeah yeah that's beautiful and and hits home because there are times when if I heard you say that I'd be like oh that doesn't feel very safe right now right yeah um and I imagine some of the listeners that will be that will be the case uh, so there's this this bigger question of like what's the work we do to help make that the case so that we are the safest pe- inside ourselves we are our place of safety exactly and I was just revisiting a book that I read when we were um, first working on change the world gang and then what that turned into the you can hub which is called transitions by William Bridges and he is really clear about this distinction between change that's going on in the outside world outside of you and change that's going on in the inside world inside of you so the outside world can be unsafe and that's what we think of as being unsafe in this moment but in any however unsafe the moment is there is the opportunity to find a place of safety within yourself even if it's however unsafe you feel even if it's just reconnecting with your breath for a moment that you can make a big better decision about how you know how are you going to navigate or get out of this dangerous situation in but the place of safety is is inside in the internal world which bridges refers to as like transition is what happens on the inside change is what happens on the outside but now he 
kind of talks about people being in transition and that obviously has a very specific meaning now that it didn't have like 20 years ago when he published that book yeah yeah and then there's the question in there of okay so if if the inside world if the internal world isn't feeling safe now like what can we do to help that world feel safe and that's a big like that's the life journey I think and um we all get there at slightly different times and it's a lot harder yeah when the outside world is uh very loud in yeah or, or inside yeah yeah exactly. yeah exactly yeah and I uh, last year I worked with um a healing coach called Wade Brid- Briggs at Ninth Path Coaching um and I've been kind of like I had this one realization in my work with him and I've kind of been you know when you have like one of those insights and it's just such a golden nugget and it just kind of sits with you in a really beautiful way over a, a long period of time um and and he sort of said like in that moment where you feel unsafe what do you do the urge and desire from inside is to do something or you know to talk back to the negative talk or whatever else you know to respond to whatever that thing is on the inside and Wade just said like what if you did nothing you don't have to ignore it because that's another thing a lot of people do right they avoid it they squish it down they push it away but equally you don't have to agree with it you don't have to disagree with it because that gives it its own power too. You can just kind of go, hmm, and move on. Yeah. Um, And that's been a really um, powerful practice for me the last probably kind of like 10 months. Mm. I love that. What it reminds me of is um, when I went to the Good Life Project camp um, in New York that one year, the meditation practice they did once was around um, being in a fishbowl. And when you have a thought or a feeling or something, you just notice it as a fish going by just be like, okay, thanks. And just like, don't push it away. Don't push it back the other way. Like it wants to flow this way. Just let it flow. And then it just goes out of the bowl or it turns around and circles around and you do it again. Um, And that's, that's what, uh the kind of visualization that is coming to my head when you mention that exactly you don't have to grab the fish yeah that's the important thing and I think that's what a lot of us are doing all the time is either trying to or actually grabbing all the fish yes but you could just watch it go by yeah give it a little nod that's it yeah yeah I think that's really beautiful and there's that that differentiation between that and ignoring because you're not ignoring mm-hmm. noticing that the fish is there because we can't ignore ignoring really is grabbing the fish right or at least like <laughs> punch it out of the way or something like there's no right there's exactly no... you're still interacting with the fish <laughs> exactly <laughs> and you don't need to yeah yeah exactly Okay, so tell us a little bit more about your journey. We've gone through your doing psychology and then coming to Cambridge and doing your work in the charity we were working in and then over to our Change the World gang, which turned into the UCAN Hub. And 
you know, we did that for a good few years and that was definitely a lot of experimenting and exploring and, and becoming who we are. Growth, I think is actually, I think what a lot of those years were, um, and a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like we should share the fun story of like going to a field in a robot costume and superhero capes just to show people that like this growth stuff doesn't have to be boring, <laughs> right? Like it is about play. Yeah, it was pretty silly at times. And that's like, I think a really, really good point because so much self-development content now is so serious or yeah. earnest um yeah. in some way and it kind of often veers into philosophical territory but yeah it can be fun it can be silly it can be representing your nemesis in the form of a cardboard robot that you go and fight in a field pretending to be a superhero why not you know if you had an arch nemesis what would it be yeah if you had a superhero alter, alter ego what would it be yeah. These are quite fun questions to ask yourself. Exactly. And and fun questions, you know, the story of that came from a, a dark, hard place, right? I don't know how much you want to share about that, Lou, but, you know, coming out of a, a really hard place and asking yourself those questions of like, okay, who do I want to be? What's my superhero? And, and who's my nemesis? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that there was, so I do a lot of doodles on Instagram now. And one of the doodles that I did was the mountain of motherhood. And the mountain of motherhood is made up of the sunny side and the shadow side. Both sides are equally important. And I think that's what you're getting at there is the the sort of danger story was part of the sunny side. And it wouldn't have existed if not for the shadow side, which um you know it's it's the kind of story where it's like where do you begin yeah I think probably for most of my life I've struggled with anxiety um and then in um 2012 I think it was my my dad died after a sort of relatively short illness of about seven months and it was expected, but also unexpected. And I think that when you're there, when someone dies, it really does change you in ways that you will probably never really properly understand or be able to articulate. And it made me much more aware of my own mortality. And it also crystallized things that I really wanted to do and things that I didn't want to kind of waste time on anymore and that that kind of eventually led to Dangerloo after a certain amount of healing it was like okay I'm I'm ready to take risks now and I want to celebrate that and make it fun and silly yeah and so you donned a cape full out costume yes. is a pretty amazing one um I'm sure I can find some links to post to for those that need the visual it was modeled on Danger Mouse um which was my favorite cartoon as a kid I think <laughs> yeah 
and mm. but yeah it was pretty simple really and then I think danger I think danger Lou came first and the yeah. robot came later where we were like well what is the nemesis yeah um and we were like well, what's the opposite of kind of living a more adventurous life which was what Dangerly represented to me was taking more small risks every day that might add up to big risks. The opposite of that is mediocrity. Yeah. And I think probably that now, you know, the language that I use, a life well lived, is uh is the opposite of mediocrity too. It's not just kind of accepting your lot, it's not just yeah. um sticking with things because you feel obliged to and going back to core process one of the other phrases that I come to use myself is rainbow maker and the idea of that is kind of I remember when we first started working with Carrie she said when she worked with us it was like you'd be thinking that there was just two options and then we'd show her that there was actually a whole menu and so Rainbow Maker comes from the idea of being a prison where you might start with black and white, a single shaft of white lights, but through the prism you can create the full rainbow and bring Technicolor to, to life, really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned the Bridges Transitions book before, another book that's really um, informed my approach and how I think about the world and life is body of work by Pam Slim and I think that's what we're getting at here is like the thread she would say that that uh, connects everything together in my life yeah has been about that sense of like opening things up bringing clarity yeah. in order that then action can happen yeah I love that and I love the I love the concept of bringing Technicolor because um, I just got a massive visual full of color in my mind as you said it. And, and, you know, and that is what it is. And with the, you know, with the mums listening in here, maybe it feels a bit black and white right now. You know, it's this or that. And neither of them feel necessarily like good choices or good options for you. And um, where, what if, what if there's a whole menu of other colors out there? And Technicolor just makes me smile because it's like really playful. So it brings in that other element of it too, right? So like, what if your your life could actually be Technicolor? What are the other ones? And I think that's where the big audacious dream thing comes from for me. It's not that it's one big dream you're always going to have in your whole life. It's more that it's, it's just outside of what me mediocrity says we have to do, right? It's outside of what the limitations are that we put on ourselves, based on the ones that society and culture has put on us um or maybe it's within but it feels without right like it's yeah uh but there's yeah, this menu of color as a as a mom it's really easy to feel stuck yeah because you have so many demands on your time and energy yeah and you know, if kids are good at anything, it's at constantly adapting. So the 
cycles of this are longer now Alex is older but we found that we would go through a cycle of we really don't know how to handle what is happening right now we feel like there's a way to respond to it like you know whether it was his sleep or his eating or some of his behavior or whatever we were like you know we can't understand why this is happening and we have no idea what to do but eventually you'd kind of muddle through and you'd find a place where actually everyone felt more aligned and happier with things and everyone was kind of more or less getting their needs needs met but then you go back around the circle again and you know kids are constantly adapting the thing that they loved that got them to sleep last week every single night suddenly doesn't work anymore Um, because they've grown and their awareness is higher and they're interested in different things or they have a new preference now um so that is challenging to navigate and adapt to and it's exhausting and you're sleep deprived anyway so it's really easy to feel trapped that everything is changing around you but you can't change anything yourself um and I'm I'm wary of talking about control when it comes to change because I don't want to create the illusion that we learn to control change because I don't think it's that at all but we learn to feel more in control. And I think a lot of a lot of mums with the demands that they have on them within their own life and their child and their family life and then society around that mean they feel out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So it is really important. And, and I was thinking about, you know, which bit is most important because what we don't want to do is put a load more pressure on mums. Like, you know, okay, you feel like you're in this world of mediocrity or black and white or grayscale. You you know, you really should be in a world of technicolor and having fun and connecting with your dreams. That's like putting another layer of pressure on the already highly pressurized onion of motherhood with many with its many layers. Yeah. Um, and I think really the mo- the thing that most mums need the most is space. Yeah. And if everybody else in the world knew how to give mums some space and could do it regularly, I think that's the one thing that would really help a lot. Yeah. And that's my one bit of advice, really. I don't tend to give advice, but yeah, it's just to find some space. It's kind of like clearing the ground before you plant new seeds that's the thing that you really that is going to be the catalyst it's just having some space that is only yours an hour that's it um and then what you put in that space will emerge i love that lou i think that's so good and i think you know your point about the extra pressures of, you know, creating this life of Technicolor. Um, that That's a real reality, right? That's uh, for me, for sure, like becoming a mom and, you know, you saw my iterations of all the work that I've done around that. It was and can be, it goes through cycles of like not feeling in control, like you say, of what can happen in my life, but also this pressure I had put on myself of like having to do it all right um and 
when we create that space, like when I was in survival mode, that was just pressure because I, there was just, there wasn't space. There wasn't space to do that. And then as soon as I got to the various uh, points in my kid's life and in our journey together where I could get a little bit more space, then I could start to dream again. Right. The other dreaming was still there and it can happen in those early years for sure. If you can create the space, it's just harder. It's a lot harder because we're shattered, you know? Yeah, and I think that my son is easiest when I'm connected with him, which means not thinking about the other thing that I could be doing right now when he's like, you know, he just wants to lie on me for 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to be like, well, I'd start this other thing and I haven't finished it. Like that's something that I've, got really good at as a mum is not finishing things I think I was probably always quite good at that I'm trying to get better at working out like which are the ones that I really definitely want to circle back and finish um and how to find the time to do that but yeah I think to sort of give mums the message that you know you just need to make this technical a life for yourself takes them away from the present moment which is where they're going to find more ease is in connection with what they're doing right now you know those newborn years are so intense and the more disconnected you become the more tired you become the more disconnected you become the more disconnected you become the harder it becomes the more tired you become and the harder it is to find your way back to connection but connection is where the ease is. And Alex, like my son, teaches me this over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's and like, you still How old is Alex now? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be three in April. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice to see like Mumlu. Because uh, that's new for me. I don't know Mumlu. Um, mm. So it's nice to uh, have that. So what I was going to say before, when you were talking about mums, is that no mum's journey is the same, right? Every mum's experience of motherhood is different, yeah. but they can kind of, I think we, as I am a mother myself, we can find our way through motherhood by talking to each other about how we're finding our way through motherhood. So there isn't a framework for that. I have frameworks for lots of things, but I don't have a framework for be becoming a mother <laughs> because it's such a unique personal individual journey. Um, and it's magical and terrifying in equal measure. I think for me, I think a lot of moms feel like they really lose themselves. I didn't really feel that I lost myself. I felt like myself was always there but it was pushing up against something that wasn't allowing it to be expressed. Mm. Um, and I took a year off from maternity leave, but then when Alex was about eight weeks old, I was like, I know that I cannot do this. It's just not going to work. I need to go back to some kind of work. I don't want to go back to the job that I was doing at the time, but I need, I need to create that space for myself to work on something that isn't Alex. And so we managed to, get together some really good care for him in a quite a small window of time and I think 
like what I found was that motherhood really crystallized what's really important to me and what's not and then I felt more driven to focus on the important things but but that experience of motherhood is just so unlike loads of other people's experiences of motherhood Mm. some people take it completely in their stride and they don't really seem to have a wobble other people they feel completely lost for ages and then they have a sense of coming back to themselves Mm-hmm. other people just feel like you know they've stepped over a threshold and they're a completely different person afterwards there's just so many different versions of it yeah definitely and that changes and adapts based on age of the child and what's happening in our life when you have a second child enter the scene or a third yeah. or a fourth or whatever right um you're right all those journeys are completely unique and I think what brings them together is that well that they are unique essentially what brings them together is that they're different and that we're all gonna have some sort of a roller coaster at some point in time I don't think there are the mums out there that don't have a wobble ever you know because that's that's being human that's right yeah and I think sometimes it's a deferred wobble like so a lot of the generation of mums that kind of felt forced to stay at home yeah and then came back to the workplace or when their children left home that's when their wobble happened Mm -hmm. um because there there was space for the wobble to happen (laughs) uh all of a sudden yeah Yeah. oh that's brilliant but Um, the common thing is the trigger for the change right that's the thing we all have in common is that there's this new demanding completely dependent human Exactly. That isn't exactly what we thought it was going to be because it's impossible to envision and imagine what that's going to be and how we'll react and how the kid will react and and all the things that intertwine. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. So we're going to start to bring it to a close, Lou. And I'm curious if there's anything else you would like to share with our listeners in terms of you're doing some incredible work that I'd love to know more about, firstly, what you're doing right now and anything from within that or just what you know in terms of tips or tools that might be useful for our listeners. Sure, yeah. At the, at the moment, the main thing that I'm doing is called Design for Life. Um, and that's something that I created based on work that I'd done one-to-one. Um with a lot of different people and it's a program that enables people to make choices about what they want to change in their life and work and I love this program (laughs) I love delivering it because everyone who comes to it is slightly different and even where someone might say well I want to change my work the, the journey that unfolds through the frameworks that we use can be very different and I called it Design for Life because, you know, we worked together on UCAN Hub and then I took a sort of step away from that and I went and worked in design for a while as a a business designer. Like when we worked with Carrie, I really kind of got a lot out of lean product development and stuff like like that and the kind of design thinking frameworks. Um, And I came across this quote this definition of design 
which is the rendering of intent. That's the definition of design by a guy called Jared Spool. And this connects deeply with the work that Nick does on, on core process. Like basically you choose an intent and then you're trying to realize it. That's what you do when you're in a chair, designing a phone. That's what you do when you're designing your life. And even if you say, you know, well, I don't really want to design my life. I want to wing it and go with the flow. That's your intent. <laughs> Um, and it will guide whether you know it or not. It will guide all the decisions that you make. So why not know what is? Um, and a lot of the tools in design overlap really deeply with the visual planning tools that I learned from our work together right at the beginning when you first employed me. Um, it's tools that help with decision making, that help you to get clarity. Um, so that's what I bring in the Design for Life program is there's a, sub, there's a set of tools. I don't use exactly the same tools with everyone, but most people do maybe two or three the same. Um, and it's three or six months and it just helps you to get really clear, more clear on who you are and what's important to you. And then understand what that might mean, the decisions that you want to make. And it's really important to me that it's applied. So it's not just theory. It's not just self-discovery. It's like, how can we learn just enough? How can we get just enough clarity that you can then take action and then come back? Because the action will have shown you something. You'll have learned something. So what's that? And then the change continues as a process from there. Does that answer your question? I think so. Yeah. I love the <laughs> just enough concept, just enough clarity to take action, right? Uh, we can often get stuck. I know that's my, that's where I get stuck most of the time is that I need all of the clarity before I want to take action. And just yeah, and that is like it. so many people experience yeah. that exact same thing. And I've been doing like since we moved up here. Well, a big part of my life is yoga. And I discovered this branch of yoga, this style of yoga that where every class starts with an intent, which was just like, well, this is perfect for the work that I'm doing. <laughs> um, the alignment was just spot on. And um, so with a, a, a yoga teacher who teaches this kind of yoga, we did a vision board workshop in January together. We delivered it. She led everyone through yoga and a guided meditation. And then I led people through creating a vision board. And that is a tool that people might use, a vision board, crafting, you know, a set of pictures, a set of images that represent the kinds of things that you want more of in your day-to-day -day life. And when I first learned about vision boards, I remember, I can't remember who it was, but whoever was delivering the workshop said, beware the pretty plan. You can <laughs> really focus on like having everything totally clear and everything totally beautiful before you take action. But that's not how it works. Yeah. It's the increments, tiny steps. You learn something, you can change direction then. And every step is less loaded than if you try and make one big leap all at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that's really beautiful, Lou. And it is through the action that the clarity comes, which I remind myself every day. <laughs> yeah, I draw it like a cycle. 
yeah I don't think I've shared that one on Instagram yet it's in the queue but yeah clarity drives action action drives clarity and on and on exactly exactly so what action can can we take today right yeah and uh, what I love about uh, doing this podcast is that my action is to talk to cool people like you and get clarity and then do it all over again <laughs> so it works very well and it can be as simple as that um it is as simple as that right for for many people this podcast seems like a really big action and it certainly was at the beginning to make that decision and each and every day it's just little decisions from there i didn't know what it was going to be or where it's going to go i still don't you know i i change my mind i make the clarity I, I get the clarity through talking to cool people like you and taking action so yeah and i think what you're doing is um is collecting guides yeah right people that can show you a way so that you can decide if you want to try that way yeah. and if i was going to give another tip to people it would be to find a guide or a set of guides yeah. that can provide some hand-holding <laughs> um one of my one of my past therapists used to say that they stood shoulder to shoulder to with me and that was that's quite a nice image someone who can stand shoulder to shoulder with you mm. and who can maybe present you with you know some options do you mean like this do you mean like this um yeah. that you can then respond to and it just gives you some mile markers along the road of what is the you know gigantic messy ball of wool that is the change that happened is happening continuously in our lives yeah beautiful now that my 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 brain is full of wool I can literally see it in front of my eyes right now um <laughs> we will leave it at that where can people find you Lou um Instagram is a great place at Lou Shackleton you can find me there with my doodles um and that also connects to my website which is Lou Shackleton com and that's where there's information about the design for life program brilliant i love that and yes i highly recommend the instagram route with lou because doodling is a huge part of your life and actually you brought doodles into my life i would say as well and well the clarity of what they are isn't always there for mine it helps me get clarity in my brain by just starting to doodle things so um, so follow Lou on Instagram, Lou Shackleton, I think you said. And yeah, thanks for, thank you so much for chatting today, Lou. It was exciting to, to catch up at this different stage in life. Yeah, it's great to be here and let's catch up again soon. That is it folks. This has been Mel Finlater on Permission to be Human, the podcast. And I am so glad that you have joined us here today and hope that you have taken away some tidbits that will help you go away, connect with your big audacious dream and make that massive impact in the world that you are dying to make. If you liked today's episode, please, please, please like it, share it. Think of one person. Think of one person that you think would also like it and send it on over to them. Let's get this out there and more moms feeling like themselves, inspired, dreaming big, and out there being them. Please do head on over to find me on Facebook with permission to be human or Instagram, or you can even pop me an email 
and say hello at permission to be human always at gmail.com. Say hello and let me know that you listened. What did you like about it? I would love to hear. If you didn't like it, eh, I don't really want to know. <laughs> Just kidding. You can share that if you want. I would love to know, however, who you are. Let's connect. Let's find out what you want more of. Yes, this is a newer podcast, so I want to hear from you and I want to make it what would be useful to you. As always, remember that you have permission to dream big, permission to feel big, and permission to be you. You have complete and full permission to be human. Real. You do.